supercharging thing in my own life, um, brokenness. But really, I want to start with a stupid story. When I was uh, when I was born, I was purple, like I was purple and funny looking, and my neck was all twisted. and And my parents were like so stoked. They're like, "Firstborn son, this is gonna be great. He's gonna he's gonna look like both of us." And they're really stoked about it. And I came out just kind of funny. And it's because I had the umbilical cord around my neck and. Um, and really, they went on from there to, you know, develop me and raise me. And, and it was really like, um, I was a blank slate to them. But, ring. <laughs> I was a blank slate when I came out. But God is, is just as loving, just as interested in, in developing us and growing us and, and takes kind of our development really seriously. But he usually does not get um, these blank slates. He gets... He gets us. I mean, he didn't get, like, alien purple Sean. He got, like, me when I was 15 when I had, like, strongholds and lies and sin and shame. And, like, he has to overcome so much more than my parents who just said, don't watch TV, don't watch uh, Ninja Turtles. Like, they, you know, they made rules and they, they grew me and it was great. But God has um, a lot to overcome in, in our lives. And, and he traditionally does this through brokenness and really taking us through things that we we can't stand, we didn't see coming, but out of that comes so much growth, so many great things. Um, have you ever seen the like uh, super, um, super new Christians, the guys that are like, I was, in, um, I was in drugs and alcohol and I finally came to Christ. And you see those guys and they're like giving their testimony, they're more in love with Jesus, they shoot up in the faith. They like, you know, I, I, I used to find myself like, kind of being jealous. Like, man, if I had gone through some of those things, like, I would love the way they do. And I felt like, it, and it's because they, they enter Christianity at a place of, place, place, place of brokenness. And, and uh, really, it's a dangerous thing to envy, but um, understanding brokenness is good. Embracing it is a completely different thing. But it has a, super na- or a, a supercharging effect on our walk. Um, the modern church, the modern community, this sounds ridiculous because we're so, you know, self-preservation, self-love. We, we really want to um, be happy. And, uh, and if you really want to grow, you've kind of got to embrace this thing. Um, and so kind of in talking about brokenness, I want to talk to you about how we're made and, and just really uh, why this is necessary. Um, You've heard we're spirit, soul, and body. We're um, tripart, tri, or tri, triune? No. <laughs> anyway, we're three parts. Um, and, and that is, and, and so obviously body, but soul and spirit, and most people, they get those things confused. Um, and really our soul is our mind, will, and emotion. And that's generally how most people are led. They're very emotional, or they're very, like, analytical, or, or they just, like, have a really strong will, um, and, and that's kind of how they're led. But um, as Christians, we need to be spirit-led Christians. We read it in Romans. It's all over the place. And really, our spirit is where um, the Holy Spirit comes and dwells. And, and we, um, we, when we operate out of that place, it's, it's tremendous. Um, what we say has power. Uh, and, and we just make right decisions. Um, and really, when they're, you know, whenever you're reading the Bible and it says spirit... Um, They'll capitalize it if it's the Holy Spirit they're talking about, and they'll, they'll leave it undercase or lowercase um, whenever they're talking about our spirit. But in reality, they had a really, really difficult time 
um, when they were translating the Bible with which S to use. Like, it was a really confusing thing. And that's because it's complicated. Like, when the Holy Spirit comes and lives in us, it's, it's not so cut and dry. We operate in the Spirit. He dwells in us. We dwell in Him. It's very confusing if you try to figure it out. But it's, it's where we need to be operating. And so really there's this, um, there's this kind of war within ourselves. Am I going to be, your spirit and your soul are both kind of battling for who's going to control this body. And brokenness is really bringing the soul into alignment with your spirit. It's, it's breaking that soulish nature so that we can walk as we're called to walk. Say what again? I forget. <laughs> um, brokenness is what brings our soul into appropriate alignment with our spirit. Instead of both of those kind of warring against each other, um, brokenness kind of brings our soul under the covering of our spirit, and then we operate out of the right things. Um, and really, go back and read Romans 8 with this, as I talk about this. It's ridiculous. He says we do not uh, walk according to the spirit, and if we don't walk, then we will, won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. And everybody's like, I don't, that sounds great, because um, then I'd be more perfect, or, you know, to, I'd be perfect, but um, I don't know how to walk in the spirit. And really, it's, it comes out of brokenness that we get to that place. Um, we know that Jesus said, at some point, you're going to worship me in spirit and in truth. And you're like, oh, that sounds great, because when I'm Christian karaoke, sometimes I feel nothing. And really, um, to get there, again, brokenness. And so um, Christians who are led by the inner man, by, led by the spirit, um, are enabled to, by the exercise of their spirit, know God's word. So you can really understand, my Bible's upside down. You can really understand so much more of the word when you're in a place of brokenness. Um, you can discern the spiritual condition of others. You can send forth God's messages under the anointing and receive divine illumination. Yet often because of inadequate breaking, the spirit doesn't shine properly. That's my required watchman knee quote. If I can get one in any talk, I will. Um, and really, my, one of my favorite verses as I'm like reading this and thinking about it, um, is in Second Corinthians 4. It says, even though our outward man is perishing, and that's referring to our soul, yet our inward man, our spirit, is being renewed day by day. And so God recognizes that these things are in appropriate alignment and, and really wants us to get us to that place. And really nothing can so hinder us as, as not being broken. Um, and really as I talk about this, a lot of this stuff sh- should seem sort of familiar. Knopf talked a couple weeks ago or several months ago. I, I can't ever keep track. Um, and he, what he said was that you need to burn the ground. In order, remember at the, some talk, he was like, you need to really burn the ground in order to get the best fruit. Um, and then kind of like hinted at brokenness. And then Camille was talking about um, lights, emotions. And, and what, they, what she said is you don't want to be um, led by your emotions. And, and that is, again, fruits of brokenness because you're not going to be led by your soul, which is made up of your mind, will, and emotion. And then Knopf's talk last week, um, he referenced Britt Merrick's sermon. Good Lord. How many people watched that? He posted it on Epic Life. Yeah, everybody else needs to watch it. <laughs> it was tremendous. And really, like nothing I can say can do justice to the heart of a father whose daughter is having cancer for the second time. And really, he talks about how the greatest growth in their family, the greatest growth in love for each other and for the father, his, his love for people around him, like everything just, it sucked. He hated the time. But he looks back and he goes, man, we, 
we would do it again. And it sounds like a terrible thing, but he, I don't know, I, I was really impacted. And really, as I'm thinking about this and watching that and, and just kind of looking back on my life, like all three years of it, um, it, it seems like I was super convicted because you can walk in brokenness, you can walk in partial brokenness. And so anyway, I want to just see what it means to, to really understand these things. But if any of this stuff resonates with you, go back and listen to Knopf. Go back and listen to Camille. Go and listen to Brett Merrick's sermon because it's super powerful truths that are really going to supercharge your faith, supercharge your intimacy and your tenderness and your love for people and for God. Um, and really, people believe um, that Christianity, like they, we, we, sometimes people are lulled in with these like false falsehoods about Christianity. And they, they think this is going to be all super hunky-dory, like greatest time of their life kind of thing, where everybody gives money and it's ridiculous. But in reality, and we, on top of that, we got the prosperity gospel and churches saying all sorts of stuff about money that just isn't consistent. And really, the truth is God is interested in one thing, and that's raising good children. Like, he wants children that are fully formed. I think, uh, Brian, no. Some pastor somewhere at some time, um, he said that if we're the bride and, we're the, and Christ is coming back for his body, and Christ is the body, then he wants a body that is in, um, in, in the same, it's, it's well-formed. Like, he doesn't want a giant head and, like, a little body. He wants to, like, develop us. He obviously stated it way better. And in my mind, I was like, I remember all of what that guy said. <laughs> but in reality. Um, but anyway, the truth is, things happen. And, and it rains on the just and the unjust. And that's a truth in Isaiah somewhere. And, and, but we know as Christians that he uses all things for the good of those called according to his name. I mean, I can look back on everything crappy that's ever happened in my life, everything crappy that's happened in my family's life to my dad, my mom, my brothers, and we can, and we can understand, like, man, he used that for the furtherance of our faith. He, he built closeness. He, we, we delight in him. We love his word. All of these things changed because of the way that God was gracious in those times. And, and really, as I'm, you know, I'm sitting in college um, at a church, and this pastor, um, decently religious guy who just kind of got up there, read the Bible. It was right side up. He'd pound his fist a lot. And then we'd go, go home. Um, and, and what he said was he was referencing some verse in Hebrews 12. And he basically says, God chastises and, and corrects those he loves. Um, and if you're not being chastised and corrected, then you're Ill- illegitimate children. And, and basically what he said was, if your life isn't difficult, then you're not a good Christian. And so I was like, oh, man, like, I'm the worst then. Because, like, I got into the college I wanted to get into. I went to the, you know, I, I had a girlfriend that I was enjoying. I, everything I wanted in life was great. I got into grad school I wanted to. I got A's when I wanted to. I didn't always want to get A's. Um, and, and really, like, my life seemed really simple. My family loved me. My car was running fine. Um, and so I felt like, man, I'm, I must be a bad Christian. But really, there's two ways to look at that um, that verse. Either you can say, and this is kind of the religious, if your life isn't difficult, then you're not a good Christian. Or you can look and say, when life is difficult, I'm a son. Like you, can, you, can, you can take it as, as kind of like, um, I don't know, it's not a super complicated concept. But every time, and for some reason this clicked with me, it may not be that profound with you, but whenever something 
happened that was kind of crappy, I was like, oh, like God loves me. I'm a son. It, it, it was so backwards because everybody was like, huh? That doesn't make any sense. Um, I remember, I remember being in college and, and, you know, going through these thoughts. And I, I got out with my master's and I worked in Switzerland and I checked a whole bunch of boxes and I thought I was like this amazing, uh, you know, job applicant. I was going to walk in anywhere and they were going to give me anything I wanted. And, um, and then I spent a year trying to find a job. And um, all, everybody in my class, like literally they like, they left a week early and, to their jobs. And I'm sitting there like, I'm going to get something. This is going to be good. And it sucked. And it sucked bad. Like, Week after week after week of interviews. Like, I probably interviewed, like, four or 500 times. Bought my first suit. It was super fly. Um, I got one of those thin ties and decided to make me look fat, so I got a fat tie. <laughs> like, I did the, the whole nine yards. And, and I got nothing. And I remember, like, I'm sitting in Knopf's office, and I'm really disappointed. Um, and then I realized, like, hey, my life is, is not a cakewalk. Like, God is dealing with me, and, and he, he started showing me over the process of a couple of months how, like, I had the American dream in my heart. The first thing I was going to do when I got a job was buy some sweet car, and then I was going to buy a house, and, and really, like, my values were useless. I did buy the car <laughs> and sold it, um, but my, like, values were useless. There were a whole bunch of things that needed cleaning up, and so I remember uh, at the end, I'm sitting, uh, now I'm sitting in the other Eric's house, and I'm like, I just don't care. Like, I've grown so much. I don't care about any of those other things anymore. And I, I started recounting him, like, all the things I'd learned. And, like, on the spot, I got two phone calls within two hours and two job offers. And it was like, really? Like, but that's the way God works. He, he just wants you to grow. He wants you to learn. And you can either embrace brokenness or you can, you can fight it. And really, there's two ways that... Um, God breaks us, and, and he uses it, you know, we're all different, and so we all need different ways to experience this. Um, for some people, it's very, very gradual. Um, so f- for me, like, I thought that the unemployment was like a sudden thing, but really it was a year of like, ish, like it just sucked. My car broke down at one point, and they were like, you owe us $5,000 for this new engine. I was like, I have negative $500, like how is that going to work? And these things like kept happening. And it was kind of like a gradual being beaten into the ground. You hear those the same people who give their testimonies about, um, you know, alcohol and drugs and all this. They're like, oh, yeah, I came to the end of myself. Like, I, I just slowly got, like, pushed into the ground until I really had nothing left. There are other people, however, that don't go through that gradual. That's very, very sudden stuff. The Brit American, his daughter with cancer, a broken relationship. Um, a death in the family. There are things that just, like, they jar you. They, they just rock you. Um, and, and we all go through these things. And really, you can't, I mean, these things are in God's time, and you can't shorten it. But you certainly can prolong it. Like you certainly can fight God in every way. It's like the Chinese torture trick, or like an argument you're having with like a significant other. They're like, ah, you're bar- terrible at this. And, and if you're like, no. Like, I'm not like that. And you just start arguing. You start off arguing about, like, putting the toilet seat down. And, like, two hours later, you're, like, leaving the house and you popped your tire and it just got way worse. <laughs> and, and, uh, and if you had started at the very beginning of that argument, you're like, yeah, I'm right. You're right. Like, I'm do that. The, the argument stops, like, there, like, immediately. 
And really, you want to be, we want to be people who can recognize and respond to truth quickly. God will use all of the things in our lives to grow us. And it's really how quickly can we um, hear his voice, continue to like seek him and, and have him speak to us the truth. Because he uses all things that are for the good of those that are calling according to your name, his name. I mean, do you, can you look back and honestly say like the last five, ten years have been God using specific things to grow you? Or are you one of those people who just kind of like get, gets pushed through life? Like my brother is, is, is not killing it right now. His car got stolen. Then he, he was all bummed and he called me. And then on his way back, he, he biked to work. And then Stillman stole his like seat and he's got a fixed gear. So it's like impossible to bike on the thing. And then like he gets home and like his dog pooped in his bed or something. Like it was just like <laughs> continuous things. And, and the dude never like ever looks and is like, man, like he, he just plays the victim all the time. And I'm convinced that God has got some specific truth that he wants to speak to him. And really, that's dumb. And really, the, what I want to get to is the kingdom of God is backwards. We've, we hear this constantly, and really, we just keep finding out how backwards it is. The last shall be first, the first shall be last. They're like, there are all these like, you know, Christian-isms. We just learned in Ephesians that if you want to progress in Christianity, you first need to sit. Walking, running, all of that stuff. No, just rest, abide. Like, if you want to move forward in Christianity, you have to sit. In the same way, the people that embrace, embrace brokenness are the people who will, will be the most whole, who will walk in the greatest wholeness. And for each person, this is different. Brokenness looks completely different. Some people, God uses relationships, people that make you angry, selfish, jealous, or circumstances that really, really stress your emotional life. Dreams and, and expectations that are unmet. God has all sorts of different tools. And usually it's Satan like, Satan's like, I'm going to get him. Like, I'm going to destroy this guy. And, see, and, and God will just use all of these things for the betterment of our faith. I was, uh, I was set to get married January or February. And, uh, and I was, I was, and I didn't. Um, January 1st, uh, she said that the Holy Spirit wasn't in it. Um, and it. And it was devastating. Like, it was like, you know, the worst thing I ever heard. I dated her for like six years. Um, and, and really, it was like, I spent like a month and a half, two weeks, just weeping and like all sad. And really, I thought that that was like the brokenness. Like, from that is where all this growth is going to come. And I look back now, and I'm like, I can hear Waterbury laughing. <laughs> In the dark. <laughs> and I look back, and, and literally all of the best growth in my life, like I've spent most of my life being a Christian, I've spent most of my life in the same spot. Just as useless, just as inconsistent. My time in the Word was just as unfruitful. In every way, two years ago and like five years ago, Sean would have high-fived and been like, we're the same people. It, it sucked. <laughs> Anyway, and, and this last year has been like the most ridiculous, exciting time where I'm so fresh. I'm so uh, happy. There's so much peace in my life. 
And, and it makes no sense. Like, I, I have friends at work who aren't Christians, and I, you know, they're like, always like, oh, how are you? Like, are you doing better? I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. I'm great. Like, they don't understand that, like, they, they expect me to, like, continue to mope and be sad. But, like, I, I embraced the brokenness. Like, I, I, I was like, well, obviously, well, I had to. Waterbury was like, no, she didn't just break up with you. Like, you sucked. Look at all these things. And he's like, we had a, we had a list, um, which I typed up and sent to him. Of all of the things that I sucked at in a relationship. And really, I look back and I'm like, man, what was the, like, what was the breaking point? And it wasn't like the, the breakup. It was finding out how crappy I was. Like, I had to deal, like, on top of, like, heartache and, and weepiness and all of this, I had to suddenly face the reality that, like, I thought I was going to be a great husband. No, I'm useless. I'm angry, I'm, I'm prone to sin, I, I'm inconsistent, I'm full of pride, I don't value her the way that she should. I had all of these things that were like, and really, I, um, I hate finding out I'm not perfect. Like, that's the worst thing for me to deal with. Um, but really, out of these times of, of just disappointment and where things don't go the way I want them to, comes the greatest growth. Um, it's true for my family as well. My um, my mom and my dad were, you know, early Christians. And at one point, she goes into work. They, she's a Christian, and they can't stand that. Um, she's a nurse. And so they, they pinned. Um, she was always going around praying for people. And, and so a bunch of nurses and doctors got together, and they said that this woman died of negligence because my mom didn't do her job right. Um, and after, like, 15 years of being a nurse, this is devastating. Um, and she wept and she cried and months and months of like praying together and and finally like six seven months later they go in to um they go in to like the hearing you know there's a big table and everything and literally no one was there uh one guy shot himself one guy died another one had a nervous breakdown two people quit like literally it was one of those like where are your accusers type thing and and my my parents my mom you know, my, my parents look back and they realize, like, man, like, we grew so much in that time. It was the crappiest time. But together, we're praying every morning and every night. Like, there was so much growth in their relationship. There's so much trust in God. And then they, they you know, they moved to Sacramento. They, she gets all of her uh, benefits plus, ex, you know, everything gets way, way better. And it's not that God just wants to, like, constantly lay into us, like, he has plans and purposes, and along the way, he's going to grow us. And then when we get, when we pass a test, when, you, when, you, we, when we grow, he, he's just looking to bless us. It's not like he's this heavy-handed God who wants to continuously drag us through the dirt. Like, he's a loving father in which he, he is working with us. He's growing us. He's loving us. But if we don't go through these times, if we don't, really, then our souls remain unbroken. And if we're a temple of the Holy Spirit, carriers of the presence of God, and yet fully soulish in everything we do, then we're essentially imprisoning God. We're holding him back from all the things he would desire to do in our lives. Yep. There are two primary reasons um, why we aren't broken. And both of these slap me in the face because I've done and regularly do both of these things. Well, there's three, really. There's people who don't want to be broken, they're like, they're comfortable with their Christianity. They are afraid of, of any kind of discomfort. And so they want to stay so far away from that. But of the people who want to progress um, and grow in the Lord and their, their understanding, um, there's two ways you're unbroken. And the first is that you don't see the hand of God. You live in darkness. You, 
Um, rather than seeing the potter constantly shaping and loving you, rather than seeing a loving father who wants to raise his children in wisdom and love and who wants to continuously teach us more about what it means to be a son, they just assume that their circumstances are to blame. They think that they're being battered by the world, that if they can just survive for another year, the job is going to give them the raise that they need. Or this relationship will get better, or the next guy I date will be so much better. Like, they, they just are survivors. And, and I love this topic because it's perfectly setting up what Waterbury is going to talk about next week, which is really all the orphan mentalities and all of the ways in which Satan tries to come against brokenness and tries to like trick us into this a constant cyclical loop of, of useless Christianity. We won't always know why he's doing things. Like at the time, unemployment was just, why would God do this? This sucks. At the time, broken relationships was like, I'm not that bad of a guy. I don't beat her. Like, what the heck? But I look back, and, and God is so gracious with retrospective revelation. He's like, no, look at this, look at this, look at this. You've got the sheet of paper with all your crappy attributes. You've, you grew so much in these times. Like, I can look back, and I can see the fingerprint of God all over me. And I love it. Like, two years ago, Sean would be jealous of now, Sean. It's great. We're very, very protective. Like, we, we secretly love ourselves. We're not so secretly most of the time. We really want to just prefer, preserve ourselves. And really, that's the second reason why we remain bro- unbroken. The first being we, we just don't assume God's trying to do anything. We just think that we're being attacked. The second one is that self-love. We, we make plans for rescue. We, we're always trying to seek to escape any kind of disappointment or pain. Um, and really, Satan's like, I don't know, God desires for you to be happy and to always be um, just blessed and you should be overflowing. And so you start to blame God. He tries to get you like on the hook for all your dreams and expectations, which was Knopf's last talk, which was super great. And, and it's, not, it's not biblical. We, we should see some of these things as, as really God trying to shape us and grow us. He uses all things for the good of those who call according to his name. And the best example of self-love, um, you know, I was sitting with um, Aaron in my house, and I'm like, man, what does self-love look like? I know for a fact that I do that. I'm constantly always trying to save myself from these things. But what does it work like in practice? And, and they're numbing agents. Things are crappy. Jobs are difficult. You had a bad day. You, you try and numb. You try and just make yourself feel better. If, you, if every day something happens that God would use for your growth, and then you go home and you numb it out, and then you wake up the next morning, and then another crappy thing happens and you numb it out, and you go through this process, at the end of the week you're an alcoholic and you've grown, you haven't grown at all. And really numbing doesn't have to be alcohol. It could be TV. It could be music. It could be movies, media, pornography, sports, pornography, gym, Alcohol, eating. <laughs> you get the idea. We have all of these things. <laughs> we have all these things that we try and numb ourselves out with. And, uh, and, and all it does is it, it keeps us from seeing God's hand. It keeps us from growing out of the brokenness. The, if you want to take steps with the Lord, everybody's like, oh, yeah, you just got to remove all these things from your life and then you'll be good. No, Focus on God. Look for his face. Ask him what he's doing. 
Speak to him. I go for prayer walks around my house all the time. Half the time he says nothing, and the other half the time he just smiles at me. <laughs> but he's there, and he really, really wants to talk to you. He really wants to develop you. I mean, we, we talk about loving Father. We sing about loving Father. But you have to understand, like, no matter what your family was like, he is a father that wants to develop you. You know, they, they always talk about how kids watch too much TV because their parents don't have time to develop them and, like, teach them and grow them. Like, God wouldn't have a TV. He'd take us, he'd take us out to go play sports, and then we'd go to the zoo together. He would be constantly, like, teaching us and giving lessons and growing us. The broken life is, is where all of the power comes from in Christianity. And, and really, if we, if we remain unbroken, we're not just shortchanging ourselves, we're shortchanging all the people around us that we minister to, that we talk to, that we're supposed to be uh, leading to Christ. I mean, we, we, Christ said, go into, all the nation, uh, go into all the world and make disciples. Like, he had no interest in making churches. And, and if we're supposed to be discipling, you can only disciple to the extent that you've been broken. Like, you can't lead people into, like, super brokenness and, like, really tender Christianity if you yourself are operating soulishly and you're not led by the Spirit. I mean, broke, to be unbroken and being discipling people is essentially be led by your soul. So your mind, your will, and emotion. So when, you, when they want to know, like, how do I know something about the Word? Teach me something. You start teaching them, like, spiritual truths like just mental stuff you know you teach them the super religious verses like work out your salvation with fear and trembling and you just burden them with religion without ever giving an opportunity to know the loving God who wants to take them so much deeper than that the next verse says for it is God who is all the while in you effectively working in you creating both the power and the desire to do according to his will that is so much better than the super religious verse and yet that was the one I I could pull out instantly in addition to talking about things on a mental level, we, we in mind, will, and emotions. So if not the mind, if you don't think you've got a great mind, maybe it's your emotions. You, you worship and you sing and you pray, and at the end of the service, you're crying and everything feels great and you feel close to the Lord. And then you go home and you try to do a quiet time or, just, or, you, or you do worship somewhere else. And if you can't emotionally connect with him, you're like, God's not here. God doesn't love me. There's dis- distance. And you kind of freak out. And in reality, it should be nothing like that. We're not led by our emotion. It's great that we can delight ourselves in the Lord. The Lord says, let your soul delight itself in the Lord. So it's, it's right to be able to do those things. But you cannot have that as the basis of your Christianity. And you certainly don't want to teach that to your uh, spouse, to your children, to your friends. Like, that sounds useless. And then willpower, like mind, will, and emotion. Well, will is second. I skipped to emotion. Will, imagine, like, if you try to do everything out of willpower. Like, I've tried that, and I've gotten nowhere. Like, you know, five and two years, Sean. They didn't get anywhere with willpower. And that's where religion comes from, is when we're constantly trying to do things by our will. And we, we can teach other people. We're like, you know, like, how, how do I progress? Like, you know, some new Christian comes to you, and like, I just, I feel like I've been in a rut. And so you're like, oh, yeah, don't look at pornography. Do other things. Learn these things. Study these things. You have all of these, like, awesome uh, Christianisms and boxes to check, and really all that does is puts them in bondage. Soulish Christianity is useless Christianity. And we want nothing to do with that. I, the cool thing is, you know, as we worship and as God continues to uh, pour out His Spirit in here, He's teaching us what it means to be Spirit led Christians. But there will be times, guaranteed, 
where God will use the plans of Satan, all the things that Satan would try to do to bring despair, and establish, he, God will use those to grow you, to show you all sorts of areas in your life that were like completely inconsistent with the things that you say in worship when no one can hear you. Broken, broken spirit-led people will bring up Christians with the same freedom. I mean, one of the reasons that I've had such an incredible last year um, is because I'm hanging out with Waterbury. The guy's so broken. I mean, say something, he'll cry. He, he's super tender. But the, it's funny, but the fact is he leads people into, to levels of intimacy and brokenness that you can't do if you're soulishly just, you know, discipling people. The broken life is without a doubt the most beautiful. If you look at Jacob and his mother's womb, he struggled with his brother. He was tricky, manipulative, stubborn. His life was full of sorrow and grief. He left home as a youth. 20 years he was cheated by Laban. The wife of his heart's love died prematurely. His favorite son was sold into slavery. His other son was detained into Egypt. God dealt with him throughout his life super harshly, it seems. And yet God was growing him and teaching him. At the end of his life, go read this story with this in mind. He was an utterly transformed guy, completely different. So dignified was his answer to Pharaoh. His, he, he worshiped God so beautifully when you hear him speak. When he's leaning on his staff and he's giving his blessings to his children, it was so deep and so ridiculously profound. Broke Every great man of God, every great woman of God has to go through some brokenness in order for God to take them to the heights that he has designed. Peter, he denied Christ. You think he wasn't broken? Like, if, if you've watched Passion of the Christ, like, that part kills me as well. The guy loves Jesus, and then right in front of him just denies Christ. He, you can see, like, the, the terror in his eyes. He weeps, he runs off. And then Jesus, um, when he comes back from the grave, he says, Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? And he gave him three opportunities to reaffirm his love. He completely restored him to just sonship. You, if you go back and you read First Peter, which is all about persecution, read how many times the guy says precious. Like it's more than anywhere else in the Bible. Jesus is precious. We who have not seen him and yet believe, believe he is precious. The, it's rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. Like his love for God and his tenderness is just off the charts. And it's because he went through brokenness. Moses Good Lord, the guy immediately tried to do it soulishly and spent 40 years in the desert. Like, you'd, you'd think during those four years, he's like, this sucks. I hate this. He's, cook, he's kicking things. There's rolling tumbleweeds. Like, life sucks. What would you do in the desert without TV? Like, I don't know. <laughs> You're not supposed to watch TV. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but really, like, a- after that period, God used him super mightily. Millions of people followed him. He saved people left, right, and center. He followed God. He spoke with God. He saw God's backside. It's very, very exciting stuff. Joseph. Holy crap, Joseph. That guy was broken constantly. Like, he's like, I got it. Oh, and it got worse. Then he'd go to prison, and then he would go down. And he just, his life waffled like this. And yet, we all know Joseph. And we know how mightily God used him. Brokenness is so key to our spiritual growth. So what are the fruits of brokenness? What does it look like? We know what it, it shouldn't look like. We know why we, we want to see brokenness in our life. But 
I'm going back and I'm thinking about my life and like what's changed since having trudged through unemployment for a while and having felt broken relationships and really had to deal with a whole bunch of crap in my life that I didn't realize was there. The first one that I so love, I mean, there's a whole bunch of things that change, but he, he wants to bring you to a place of tender-hearted love. Like, I, I used to cry never. And if I did cry, it was like in a movie, and I would pretend it didn't happen. And it was like that super macho, useless version of, I've said useless a lot today. It's like the new dope. But, um, man, like now, I mean, it doesn't matter what happens. I, I don't think I make it two days without, like, welling up inside. Sometimes I'll be, I was the other day, I was walking in a grocery store, and I was listening to some worship song, and I just started crying in line for a sandwich. It was, I just, I was like, this is weird. This is, but I was like, oh, man, it's so much better than, like, walking around wondering if you love God. We, we'll sing all these songs, but, like, I always felt like there was no fruit of it. He wants you, I mean, it always said that Christ was moved with compassion and so he healed them. He was moved with compassion so he fed the 5,000. Like, he was so spirit-led and he was so compassionate and you know he was a super tender-hearted guy. And I, I just want that in my life. I want more of it. The more tender you get, the more in love with Jesus you, you fall, like, the, the more you want it. The fruit of brokenness, you, you walk in the spirit. That is to say that you, as you walk throughout the day, you can feel the Holy Spirit prodding you and teaching you and filling you and, and sealing you and calling you to certain things. I'll be in the Word, and, and He's there. And He highlights something I've never seen before, and it's awesome, exciting. Like, I, I so rarely now, I used to read my Bible, and I never got anything from it. I would read the Bible having a tender heart and having the Holy Spirit walking with me. And He's so gracious. This is the greatest thing I've ever read. I can read Philemon. I don't even know how to pronounce it. It's only one chapter long, and it's the greatest thing I've ever read. And it has nothing to do with, like, I now know how to study the Bible. No, every good thing that in my life has come from brokenness. And it's the, it's the truth for all of us as well. Every, I mean, good Lord, have you listened to Waterbury's testimony? Do you ever wonder why he is the way he is? It's because of all the things... God used in his life to bring wholeness and, and brokenness at the same time. Love, good Lord. One of the fruits of, of brokenness is love. You can see the fingerprint of God on your life and you realize, my God, you love me. You want to see me grow. You are willing to let me have very difficult circumstances if it means that I will look more like you, if I will fall more in love with you. I mean, real good discipline where when God deals with you it actually causes you to love him even more I remember when I was a I was a kid my um I used to get in trouble my dad would uh, he'd go you're going to your room and I go down there and he's like you're gonna get a spanking so sit there and think about everything you did and so I'd sit down and I'm weeping because he spanks well um and you know we used to get the wooden spoon and then one day I hid the wooden spoon and then I got the like you know that little um that thing you twist the blinds with that's like a whip thing I got that thing and then miraculously the wooden spoon reappeared <laughs> but the truth is he'd sit down and he and he was never in a rage he never once hit me out of anger and he'd say this is going to hurt me more than it hurts you never miss his opportunity to say that and we always saw be like no it's not you know we give him that 
And then he'd say, do you understand what you did? You, you disappointed me. I didn't, I didn't really like that. And he'd, he'd tell me why, and he'd explain it to me. And then, you know, I'd bend over his knee and get it a few times. And then he'd go, all right, pull up your pants, get upstairs. And he'd go upstairs, and when I got there, it was like nothing happened. He loved me, he put his arm around me, we'd sit on the couch and we're still kind of like, <laughs> you know, giving the like half sob, and we'd just like sit up against him. I look back on that, you know, obviously when I'm getting spanked, I couldn't stand it. But I look back on that and I'm like, man, like I respect him, I love him, I, I'm a, there's a healthy fear there. But he showed me what it was like to, for the Father. I mean, God the Father, when he says that I, th- I just completely forget about your sin. That yes, there are consequences for things, but like as soon as you, you know, as soon as you put it under the blood, it's like it never happened. I can fully believe that because my dad was so good at discipline. The good discipline is endearing. It's, it's different. He builds your peace in these times. For every time I've gone through stuff, God has been really gracious to show me areas where I've grown. I dated a girl a couple months ago. I can literally tell you all 12 things that I learned while I was dating her. Like, he just kind of like is constantly speaking to truth. And it's like once you've, you've gone through some level of brokenness and you begin to walk in the spirit, he begins to give you truth and speak meaning into everything that happens. And when he does that, there's such a peace in your life that I, can, I know, like, I know talking about brokenness that there's something's going to happen. Like, like it's just it's decently scary, but it's, that's just how God is. But I know that I know that I know without a shadow of a doubt, he uses all things for my good. He is growing me. He desires, he's not trying to break me. He's not trying to like destroy me. He wants to grow me. And at the end of these times, he always blesses way above and beyond what you ever thought possible. Your joy is just ridiculous. If you read Job's story, lost everything, everything and some. The guy was sitting in his own ashes, itching his sores, his children, everything were dead. And yet you see the the blessings in his life and they were ridiculous. It's like once you get that revelation, once you understand, once you you respond well to the brokenness, God's desire is not to leave you in ashes, but to bless you and to grow you and to just do amazing and mighty things. So there's hope, there's peace, there's joy, there's love, there's tenderness. Are you beginning to see that the, the fruit of brokenness is the same thing as the fruits of the Spirit? And, and really, it's, for so many years, especially when I was you know, two or five years, Sean, I would try and do I'm going to love more this week. I watched that movie, you know. I think I talked about this already, but I would try and do all of these things, and I never, ever, ever grew in any area because it's not the fruits of the Spirit. It's the fruits of Sean. We, it's the other way around. <laughs> Screw it. It's not the fruits of Sean. It's the fruits of the Spirit, and, and that comes out of a place of brokenness. So I still have tons of questions about this topic. Um, do we constantly need external battering to live in a place of brokenness? Like for me, whenever things would get bad, I would seek God super hard and things would get better as I began to learn some lessons. And then I would take the reins back. I'm like, I got it, God. 
Like, we're good now. I'm going to, like, read my Bible, and we're going to just, and, and just as I start to get on track again, I get derailed, and I, I wreck the train. And then he, in another process of, like, having to understand why things happen, he takes over, and he's so gracious with me. And yet I constantly take the reins back. And really, we do not need that constant external battering. It'll happen. Satan can't stand us. We look like the Father. We smell like the Father. We're going to be with the Father. He wants nothing more than to wreck and ruin our lives. But we don't have to live in a place of constant external battering to be walking in a place of brokenness. Because brokenness is not some big technical thing. Really, it's just coming to the place of like, I, I give up. Like, I can't do it anymore. Brokenness is really just relinquishing control and having God work in our lives. We don't need a constant external battering. We can just be in a place of choosing every day to just respond to God's truth in these times. So then what happens after the initial brokenness? I felt like I went through some really crappy times, got dragged through the, the mud a little bit, and then suddenly life was great. Like I just bought a house. I'm relationally, I feel really, really whole. I'm surrounded by great friends. Like, and I feel like, man, I, sh- I still want to maintain that place of brokenness. I want to continue to be spirit-led. And, and, and I can feel my soulish nature constantly growing like you know i want to like now study the word more and so i'll I'll engage things with my mind or being really tender um when i do not feel like crying in worship i feel i kind of like second guess myself and it's if you have to consistently be in a place of just like no like how many times has waterbury or Knopf said quiet my soul that just just i speak to my soul right now and i tell you to sit down you will relinquish control. I will be a spirit-led man of God. You have to address your soul like he's trying to take over because God knows he is. And, and the cool thing is that the word will continue the, the process of brokenness in your life. Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword and piercing as far as the division of the soul and the spirit. God uses the word to continue to bring health in, in, in just that dichotomy. He will regularly, through the word, he regularly shows me areas where I'm being super soulish. Through the word, he brings revelation. Through the word, his Holy Spirit has something to run on. You know, if I'm just sitting in a room, Holy Spirit, like, and I never ever, like, read his word, I'm, I'm kind of shortchanging all the revelations he has for me because this is amazing and ridiculous and amazing. It's great. And really, brokenness, does it have to be an external thing? Like, and I, was, I was questioning that too. Does it have to be um, being battered on a daily basis by external things, people breaking up and uh, jobs getting lost and, and really just like day-to-day, I don't know, trudgery? Or can it be internal? I mean, really, I look back on the whole Liz thing. The worst part was not the, the, the breakup, it was finding out how useless I am, how, how many areas in my life, like I thought, I thought I had been growing as a Christian, and suddenly I realized that there are so many areas of just terrible me. And having to deal with all those things is really what brought all the growth. It wasn't like the, 
the, the pain of a lost relationship, that'll, that'll fade, especially if you numb things, which I tried to. And this is, this is exciting stuff if you go back now and read the word with an understanding that you, of, of the dichotomy of soul and spirit. Um, David fully understood this. Like if you, I did word searches on soul and spirit, and there are even verses where he said, my soul I have desired you in the night. Yes, by my spirit I will seek you early in the morning. He had a, like a, a great understanding of how these things work. His, his desire was from his soul, but his, 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 the way that he sought God was from his spirit. And Jesus, he'd say, my soul is grieved, sorrow, sorrowful even to death when he's at the Garden of Gethsemane. And yet, at times, like in Luke ten twenty one, he said, um, but Jesus rejoiced in spirit. He, I mean, if you don't fully get this, if this is still confusing to you, ask Jesus. He had it. He, he understood how it works. And really, you can't, you can't do this. Like, getting your spirit and your soul in appropriate alignment is not a work of the flesh. It's not something you can will. It's not something you can study. It's not something you can put into action. It's something that, you, that can only be done by the spirit. It can, only be, it can only come through brokenness. And so, you, then what do we do? Do we just, like, God, wreck my life ruin me, like, you know, take me to a place of just, like, super pain so I can grow? Or do we just consecrate it? That's what, that's what we should be doing is consecration. God regularly in the Old Testament would say, consecrate yourselves before the Lord. And it was usually when he was coming to visit his people. And it's merely an expression of our unqualified willingness to be in the hands of God. We, we do consecrate ourselves in worship, Right? We say, oh God, I just want you to be in my life, to grow me. You're the potter, I'm the clay, I'm in your hands. Like, but you, you actually need to understand what, you're, what you mean by that. Because we, we say these things, but God takes what I say, we say very seriously. I don't regularly sing, consume me, or like light a fire, because I don't have a fire extinguisher. Like, I don't know what that's going to look like. <laughs> I want to fully understand what's going on before I ask for it. And, and really, it's the same thing with consecration. After the gateway of consecration, there's a long pathway of discipline and growth by the Holy Spirit. It takes an initial consecration plus the persistent work of the Holy Spirit to make us vessels prepared for the Father's love, prepared for the Master's use. And really, our consecration can only be according to our limited insight and understanding. But the Spirit's discipline is according to God's own unlimited light. Really, like, in the last two or three months, where I really started to feel really whole and really like, um, I was really appreciating God's fingerprint on my life and really loving all that he was doing and revealing and like enjoying the grace by which he brought revelation. And, and then suddenly I realized like, holy crap, I've got a whole bunch more stuff I gotta deal with. Like, Dang it, how does this happen? And we're, we're shocked when when Christ keeps bringing up new things that we're like not doing so hot in. But really our consecration is based on our own understanding, our own light. And, and his searching out is based on his light. Like it's, it's completely different. You understand, he, he says, I, I search the hearts of men. He knows things that we do not know about ourselves. 
And so when we say, God, I consecrate myself to you. I want to see you grow in, grow in my life. I want to grow in you. I want more and more and more. He takes you very seriously. And, and though you, when you say that, you're like, oh, yeah, he's going to work on the amount of TV I watch. He'll probably tell me to watch a little bit less of that. He will work on um, the, you know, the, the anger problems. He's going to work on. And you, you have a list. Everybody has a list of all the things that they think God's going to work on. But he will get to the bottom of that list. And you'll think, yeah, nailed it. I'm ready to go. But in reality, his light is so much more pervasive. And he knows all of these different areas where he can bring health to. So as the worship band comes up, I just want to close with a few thoughts about consecration and really ask you if any of this stuff means anything to you to, to really think about consecrating yourself to the Lord. If you feel like your Christian walk is in any way stunted, or if you feel like you're in some sort of a loop, or if you can see the soulish nature ruling the way that you come to Christ, or ruling you in any way, and you want to walk in the Spirit. I mean, it says in Romans 8, if you walk in the Spirit, you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. If that sounds great to you, then maybe we'll just think about some consecration. Let's we'll think about putting ourselves in God's hands fully. He's not going to destroy you. His goal is not to obliterate you. Loving father who wants to develop his children. I mean, why would he say all those amazing things in Ephesians? Sons of God, blessed with every spiritual blessing, given an inheritance, sealed by the Holy Spirit, filled, called, given a purpose and a plan. Why would he say all those things if his goal was to just smite you and rock you? It's not consistent. God really, really wants to see you grow and shine and be the light he has designed for you to be. And, and one of his biggest tools is brokenness. And we want to learn how to embrace it. Because from that embrace, from the trust, you, you will see things that you've never seen before. You will be so tender. You will fall in love with Christ. We love him because he first loved us. Well, he disciplines those he loves. And I'm not even talking about discipline. Like, in our lives, we think the discipline is like, you know, getting the spanking. But really, God uses these things. You may be an amazing person, but God still has plans to develop you. You are unbroken if you're soulish in your approach to God. If when you open your word, there is nothing, no revelation. You're just there reading words. There's unbrokenness in your life if you are led by emotion. If at the end of the day, you are ruled by your emotions. If in the morning you have a bad day, the rest of your day sucks, you're being led by your soul. And the, the spirit is not being released. You are trapping all that God desires to do in your life. If you're going around the same mountain like the Jews, they, you know, they, they went around for like many years. They didn't get the point. They never understood. God was dealing with them and they never caught on. So if you are going through the same issues in life, you, never, you can never figure it out. There's unbrokenness. And lastly, if the Holy Spirit is just telling you, like, you know, for everything I could say, if the Holy Spirit right now is saying, hey, 
you could use a little bit of spirit-led brokenness. As we stand and, and, and they start worshiping, I, I just want you to respond. If, um, can you guys stand for worship? If any of this registered with you, if, if you can see any of these things in your life and you really want, 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 want to walk um, in a new level of closeness, can you raise your hands? If there's something in your life, some area, that's a lot of people, and it's great. It's me, too, as well. Then I, I, I would ask you to come forward for worship, and I'd ask you to, in some way, on your own, consecrate yourself before God. Just tell him, hey, I want more. Whatever way that looks like, I trust you. I know that you will use all things for my good, and I will look for your hand. So, Father God, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for how loving you are. I thank you for the, the Father that you are to us, that we can trust in you, that we can look to you. Look, God, when everything else gets bad, and we can understand that we're not just being battered. We're being raised as children. We're being loved by the Father. We delight in you. We want to be close to you. We want to walk in intimacy with you. We want to be in a place of love and tenderness and peace that does not come from our own will or our emotions, but comes from, Lord Jesus, just the way that you work out our our lives. God, I consecrate myself before you. I desire more of you in my life. I want it more than anything else. I'm on this world for a small period of time. 80 years in comparison to eternity is zero. It has nothing. I need to be close to you. We need you, Jesus. So God, come to us tonight and speak to us, Lord God, about areas that we've been holding back and take us corporately deeper than we've ever thought possible. We delight in you and we are your children and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen.